Welcome to the Not-For-Profit On Purpose podcast series. This series is designed to help guide you on your journey through the not-for-profit space in terms of all things not-for-profit, including structures, setting up your not-for-profit, how you report, board governance, accounting, and anything else you could possibly think of in regards to not-for-profit. G'day, Justin Hall from Whitehorse here talking everything not-for-profit in the great outdoors. Um, today, I want to talk a little bit about uh, federated models, but I suppose, why don't they just all, all merge? So there's a, a, an ongoing discussion in the not-for-profit space about um, efficiencies and aggregation and those type of things. And one of the biggest, well, one of the areas that that's talked about a lot is in, in regard to federated organizations. Now, a federated organization is a group, effectively a group of largely independent organizations that come together to form another organization. Now, where you most commonly see this is where state organizations come together and form a national organization. That's what I suppose most people think of as a federated model. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's what, and most examples are that way. So, and one of the discussion points when we come to not-for-profits is that, well, this is an inefficient structure we should just aggregate. Now, we've had a discussion on a previous video about um, how you make that model more efficient, but why don't they just aggregate? Like, if that's a simple solution, why don't they? And there's two main areas that really uh, prevent, prevent this from happening. So, as a, a director on a board of one of those organizations, if you wanted to merge, say, you've got one in each state and a national one, and you want it all merge into the national one, each one of those states, those independent boards, would have to make the decision to gift their assets of their organization through to another organization. So in the not-for-profit space, you don't buy, you don't merge through acquisition, you merge through gifting your assets. So the first hurdle a director would need to get over is that gifting the current assets of their organization to another organization is in the best interests of the organization they work for. Now that is a very high bar. And Generally speaking, that's where it all stops. Like when you start looking at, well, we're just going to give all our assets away to the national body. And as a director, that's very hard to do. So that's the first issue. The second issue you have is if you have seven or eight independent organizations operating in different states coming together, each of them have evolved over time. They're not exactly the same. They might be sort of pushing forward the similar purpose, but they're not exactly the same. How they operate is different. Like how an organization works in Western Australia is very different to one how that might work in Tasmania, just from the geographical sense, but also from the different state organizations, who they liaise with, what, where they're based, what the needs of those state, that state is specifically. That when you look at each of those organizations and bring them together, they aren't the same. So you don't necessarily just merge it all simplistically. You still have a way that you have to deal with a local body in Tasmania or a different organization in New South Wales or there's a different ways they operate. So you end up with not one operating model. You still have maybe six operating models within one organization. So it doesn't really quickly bring any great efficiency. So they're the two issues that what I've seen when people do talk about merging the federated model that really are sticking points and very hard to move past.
Sure, if you get past them, there's still some more to go in terms of what's your constitution say, and there's a lot of other work, but those two are really the first two you need to, to move past. So, okay, what other things could a federated model offer? And I think this is where there are definitely examples out there of how a federated model, when used for the reason it's sort of there, can actually add some value. So one of the examples, and I'll give you an example, is First Voice. Now, this organization's been set up by a number of state-based organizations that are independent, that help in the listen and spoken language area, um, especially with uh, younger uh, early intervention. And they're all experts at providing that service. What they set First Voice up for was to be an advocacy body. So that is what First Voice do. They, they're very good at advocating for the sector, which all the member organizations, that's not their skill set. Their skill set is delivering the service. So this is how a federated model can be used very well in terms of bringing resources together to deliver an outcome or a service that independently each of those organizations wouldn't be able to do. Now, another situation where this seems ripe for a federated model to be used is in the aged care sector. So at the moment, there's a lot of legislative changes happening that are requiring organizations to put in place a lot more uh, a lot more compliance, effectively, in terms of their care and their engagement with their customers, which is absolutely, you know, that's very valuable. A lot of these organizations being asked to do this are going to struggle in terms of, they just don't have the capability internally to do it. They're too small. They don't have the, the larger organizations, they'll get through it, they'll be able to survive. But the smaller ones won't. Um, and there's a lot of concern over that. One of the options that they have is to come together um, as a group, so and it doesn't. It could be you know people. It could be organisations based in you know southeast Queensland, or it could be um, regional South Australia. It could be organisations with a shared need that individually don't have the resources to do it themselves. So, for example, putting together a model of care um, to working out the rostering, how they're going to get their registered nurses, all this type of stuff, which individually is very hard for them to do. But as a group, they would be able to do it. This provides an opportunity for that group that are trying to get something in place that is structured and they can all share to use a federated model to do that. That way they're all are members of the federated model and they can all use that resource they combine equally. So I suppose there's a couple of thoughts in terms of why federated models don't merge, but also where they could actually potentially be useful and not. A couple of examples of ones that are useful and a situation where it seems like they'd be uh, ripe for, for use. So if today's video was useful and you found it useful, there's um, another video we've done on federated models, but there's also a lot of other stuff in the not-for-profit space that we have on our YouTube channel. So check that out. Um, appreciate your time today. Thanks for watching. It's Justin Hogg from Rights. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to subscribe to the podcast series. And if you'd like some more information, Check me out on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and answer any questions you might have. Otherwise, thanks for listening. It's Justin Hogg from RightSource.